Hey Alexa. Yes, Mark. How do I outdress Emmanuel Acho? You can try getting a new suit, new shoes, and new style, but it will never happen. Hey Alexa, how do I get as buff as Emmanuel Acho? I guess you could try taking steroids. Vegetables. Verdura. Fruit. Fruta. That was easy. Hey Alexa, how do I get as smart as Emmanuel Acha? Ha 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 ha. No chance, dummy. Come on. Hey Alexa, how come Emmanuel Acho is so cool? Maybe because he's friends with Matthew McConaughey. Drops back to pass. Has an open receiver streaking. Looks like it's tight end Dustin Keller. Number 81 in the end zone. Touchdown, Jets! <sighs> nice. <sighs> hey, Alexa. How can I get Emmanuel Acho on my podcast? Call Emmanuel. Dude, seriously? You have no idea how much this means to me. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, we're ready to go. Thank you. Mark, who do we have on the show today? Oh, uh, just his former teammate of mine because training camp's starting, so we can't get any active players. He's been bugging me to come on the show for weeks. Like, oh, can I please be on your show? He doesn't sound like that, but he, I mean, hopefully he'll be okay. I, everybody's got a breaking point, man. Just let him on. Who? Um, Emmanuel Acho. Welcome back to Fourth and Forever. We have a special guest joining us today in studio. He's been all over your news feeds, all over your screens, a never ending student of the game, a great friend of mine, a preacher to the people, Emmanuel Acho. Appreciate you coming on, man. Sanchez, man, the pleasure is mine. The pleasure is mine. I've seen you in Philly and then Chicago and then Dallas, and now look at us. We go back, bro. Back like a lazy boy. I love it. Okay, so I know you watch this show religiously. Of course. Acho's a huge fan of ours. And uh, so last week, uh, I don't need to remind you, but for people who didn't tune in, Anthony Lynn, head coach of the Chargers, he was bashing the name. Mm. Came on strong, mm -hmm. crushing fourth and forever, said, you know, I'd rather call it second and one, this, that, and the other. So he's a hater. And um, now we have a new name. Uh-oh. And it's called Comfortable Conversations with a Mexican Guy. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> Is that good? Hey, let's hope this is comfortable. But see, personally, as a defensive guy, I kind of like fourth and forever. Um, you know, fourth and forever really suits me. Yeah. yeah. But comfortable conversations with a with a Mexican guy that has a it has a nice little ring to it. Yeah. I don't know where I could have got any influence. For that. <laughs> um, okay. So speaking of bad name changes, we got to hit this one just real fast. I played for this team. Yeah. You did the Washington football team. <laughs> Where are we at with this? There's one terrible. Here's my thing, Sanchez. How do you have weeks, weeks 
Two of them. Years. Years, yes. Like 2013, Dan Snyder, I think, the, the owner of the team, says, I'm never going to change this name. Right. We will be the Redskins for forever. Well, life comes at you fast. But you got two weeks, bro, to change the name, and you give me the Washington football team? <laughs> the, the, the lack of creativity that must go through one's head to simply say, okay, we're going to take the, the noun of Washington – and then we're going to throw in another one of football. And then we're just going to say team. Dude, go team. It's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, their merchandise and memorabilia is going to be awesome. I just like, I would have at least <laughs> throw in like a, a, a color. Did you see? Throw, it was just, it's like. Did you see some of these Twitter ones? We didn't know you could do mythological names. The Washington football team executives after seeing the Seattle Krakens announced. Seattle Krakens. That's pretty um, good. And then can't wait to see the Washington football team led by their star football player, first name, last name. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, bro, I, I saw that and I thought it was a joke. But you I thought it was temporary, like for, hey, for like the next week. That they, yes, or something. Exactly. Like, so apparently it is temporary, starts, but yeah. it, temporary, it needed to be like, hey, this is our placeholder for like a day right. and we'll get back to you. Yeah, we'll let Thanks, you know. Thanks, management. So apparently doing a little more research, somebody – Trademarked Correct. all those names. Wise, super wise man. Really smart. But he only trademarked like 18 names. Yeah. I saw them. Like one was like the Washington Redskin. One was like Redskin spelled like Radskin. Like it's huh. not as if he trademarked every plausible. But I think he did like senators and he did like. Dude, yeah, I'd, I'm sure he I'd rather the Washington carpets. Or warriors. The Washington I still rugs. Think warriors. The Washington ball caps. Ball caps. Anything. Washington football. Anything. Okay, let's read some of these tweets. Some of these are really, really funny. The NFL has become a Seinfeld joke. It's a team about nothing. Ted Cruz jumping in on the action. Coming in hot. Uh, Nick, who's um, got a blue check. <laughs> what is the mascot for the Washington football team? Princess Wokeness. <laughs> Solid. How about former player Mark Ripien? Uh, why not change the established date to 2020? He's pissed. Watch. I never played it down for the Washington football team. But I did play oh, with dignity, gosh. honor, and pride for the three-time world champion, oh, Washington he's one Redskins. Of those. He seems like a get-off-my-lawn guy. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know him, but he seems like, but I did play. Whenever, whenever somebody uses words like dignity and honor, you know something like extremely, get off my lawn, <laughs> is coming next. Like, courage, dignity, and honor Damn are, kids. Are, are, are words that I never want to necessarily hear in congruence because something extremely <laughs> just unsufferable <laughs> is going to come after. Okay, so let's go into our history. Mm -hmm. Teammates on the Eagles. Um, you know, Sam Acho, my favorite Acho. <laughs> I knew that was coming. His brother. I knew that was coming. The laziest jokes. I feel like by 2020, you should have some new material. Oh, here we You would have gotten booed off stage if this here was stand-up. There we go. I've never been booed. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So talk about Philly. Um, our first time we met. I like asking people first impressions. Yeah. I'm curious. I'll be, man, I, lo I, I love that you've never asked me this. And it's funny. I'm not going to oh, get all no. sappy and all something oh, BS. But, um, but I always tell people, I always tell people, like, Sanchez is one of the best guys I know. But here's why. Here's why. Because on the surface, at the surface, you have every reason to be just a prick. You do. You have every reason just to be a dude that's just a total diva. Um, but I remember 20. See, I told you. 15. <laughs> looking at the producer, like, 20, I'm not a diva. 2015, 
Um, it was the Eagles had brought me back. I'd broken my thumb. They, I, I was with the team in 2013, 2014. 2015, I broke my thumb. They released me. They signed me right back. And this was the second year you and I had been teammates. Mm -hmm. I get released the day before the Thanksgiving game. We're supposed to play the yeah. Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Me and you had already made plans to go to Cali to spend Thanksgiving yeah. at your house with yeah. your people. We'd known each other for a year and a half. Yeah. I get released, but you're still like, nah, bro. Just like, go a couple days early. I'll see you after the Thanksgiving game. We'll go out there. We'll kick it. And I think that was when I was really like, this is a real dude. Oh, thank like, you. This is a, this is a genuine dude. Um, that was a lot of Mexicans for Thanksgiving, bro. <laughs> the food was banging now. Um, but no, I think um, Philly was great. I love my time in Philly. The people were great. More importantly, like the teammates, the, the friendships, Nick Foles, you, Zach Ertz, Malcolm Jenkins, Brandon Graham. Uh, the friendships were really genuine. Um, so I, I, I didn't play long in the league, but I played long enough for me to take something from it. That's awesome. Then... I mean, I can't get away from you. I go to ESPN. You've now worked your way up the ranks. Now you're at Fox, but started on the Longhorn Network. Yeah, man. Dude, make a huge jump. Then you kick ass on Get Up. You're ESPN2, college, and I show up. And now you're the old guy on the block helping <laughs> me along. Um, my first impression of TV, Acho, if we can go through some of these selfies, because these uh -oh. are my favorite. Uh-oh. But I just remember... Um, the gals, <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's go. Because I know where um, a lot of these were taken as we move on, not hey. the ones at stadiums. I know where that was. Yes, second um, floor, Bristol, Connecticut. <laughs> there's there's um, uh, the the mirror with all those <laughs> lights on it, you know? And so Ach hits that full blast, knows it's by the window, opens the shade. He's got yeah. natural lighting, artificial lighting, bam. Always has the hands. Always. Is there something going Always. on? Always. Is he tying something? Am is he I holding something? Is that? Is he thinking? Who knows? <laughs> Wait, I let mean, me let me interject because what y'all don't what y'all don't see here in uh -huh. several of these photos. Explain yourself. I have to set an auto timer, right? I don't uh -huh. have a photographer, and I don't trust people, so I set an <laughs> auto timer. But the problem is, on the auto timer, you can see the countdown. And Sanchez would always be in the room when I set my auto timer and the dude would poke his head in right over my freaking shoulder, interrupting my quality pictures. <laughs> and so the pictures that y'all see so are times. the second, third or fourth take. Um, that's why some of the pictures are serious. Are you unbuttoning you know, or little, buttoning? Who knows? I'm holding. That's it. That's hold, the one. That's, that I is, definitely photobomb that one. That is definitely the signature Oh, here pose. we go. Oh, uh, yeah. We're changing the looks up. We're changing the looks up. Oh, what can man. I say? I try to be a fashionista, Sanchez. Yeah, I try your, to be. Who's your tailor? Who's you know? Man, give them some I got, love. Go I got ahead. my tailor in Austin is Soto and Co. He does all my okay. suits for me. What is O O T D? Uh, outfit of the day. Outfit oh, of the, you're old, Sanchez. Course, you're old. Yep. Yeah. You should know that. Um, That's so, a real question. <laughs> so my tailor in Austin, and then my guy out here, Poojay, Um, he's Ooh. neo stylist, a Poojay Nigerian Ooh. dude. I try to show love when I can show love to my brothers. Here's the trick, though, Sanchez. What I learned about TV. What I learned about TV is this. If you look good, mm -hmm. then you can sound dumber. And so, <laughs> if, if my content so you're is still working on the look, right? First off, no. <laughs> if my content is ever suspect, okay, I'm just like, at least my suit is fresh. Okay. You feel me? That's the trick. So, like when you're on at the gym, and I'm running on the treadmill, I can't hear you. But you look good. Bruh, I was told <laughs> I was told at broadcast boot camp, and it stuck with me to this day. This is a okay. trick for being on TV. This is okay. the biggest trick. If I'm watching you on mute, do you make me want to unmute you? Who said that? Jerry Madelon? 
No, that might have been no, that might have been G Matt talking about Trent Dilfer. Okay. It might have Trent Dilfer, I think, was the example, obviously okay. former NFL quarterback. But if I'm watching you on mute, do you make me want to unmute you? So Ooh. I do everything now wow. with that in mind. Dang. Yes, deep. There's wow. That's a lot of depth to this guy. Okay. <laughs> um then you move to LA. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to SoCal, West Coast, Best Coast. And now you're on Fox. Speak for yourself. Yeah, man. Talk about that experience. Talk about your co-host. What's what's up? Dude, Speak is amazing. Um, speak for yourself every day, daily show. It's different. When I was at ESPN, mm-hmm. I'm working two times a week. And yep. so it's like you, you got to come with the sizzle because sure. you're on twice a week. You got to get your name hot. Got to make yep. sure you're known. People know you. Um, but now being with Speak for Yourself, it's an everyday show. Sure. And it's kind of like playing ball. Like, you have to bring it each and every yeah. day, even when there's no content. And it, yeah, like, even when talk about it, that because you've, it's been months without so, live sports. So now you just got to find a way to, like, make it hot, make right. it sexy. Like, make, I'm going to find a way to entertain you. Sure. But what I try to pride myself in, bro, is okay. I can give you the real. I can have a substantive conversation about real issues. Sure. I can give you the straight entertaining and just debate, debate stuff nonsensically. Right. Um, so I try to be a master of all things, a jack of all trades. But talking every day is really what it has to elevate your skill set. Yeah. Everybody can't do it, man. And I'm it's learning more now. Reps, can more I, reps, yeah. All the reps. All the reps, bro. That's cool. Brief background on you. You grew up in Texas. I know uh, Nigerian um bloodline your mm-hmm. parents from nigeria dad's a pastor yep um you grew up in the church um and part of that ministry was your missionary work yeah man um i've seen pictures of it i've heard about it through you and your brother also spent a thanksgiving with your brother more than likely y'all were in chicago 2017 yeah. we went to chalk or we went to a children's hospital yep in chicago chalk. and then um uh, that was philly what is it called um Chalk, Chalk, Children's Hospital, Chicago. I mean, that makes sense. It was Chelsea, a children's hospital. That's H-O, all I know. Yeah, I, I could. But there's Children's Hospital, Orange County, so I don't know. But <laughs> it was a children's hospital, and I was with Sam. We wear our jerseys. We're in there on Thanksgiving, and then we went to eat uh, downtown at Maple and Ash or something like that. But it was uh, awesome experience, and I could see. I mean, you guys are so different, but so similar. Like I, I can see the background. I can see. Um, and it's not really like a religious thing. It's more of this relationship that yeah. you have with God. And it's, I mean, it just permeates through you, the way you interact with people and you and your brother are the same way. So this missionary stuff, it obviously comes natural. Yeah. You learned it at a young age, but talk about what that's meant to you. And uh, are you doing a trip this year or not so because of this? The only of COVID? two times we haven't done a I personally haven't done a trip in the last decade, COVID and the Ebola virus, the Ebola okay. virus of maybe six or seven years ago. Sure. Um, and where is it that you go for people? We go to, to go? Nigeria. Okay. Um, we go to a rural village in Nigeria. Isukwata is where my dad was born. Nice. Don't try to say it. Don't try to spell it. Um, just take my word for it. <laughs> um, so the biggest thing, I'll say this, the biggest thing for Emmanuel Acho's success or lack thereof, but for now I'll say success, is going to Nigeria every summer. Mm. Because what going to Nigeria every summer did for me, uh, Sanchez, is it taught me that I'm no more special than anybody else. It taught me humility. And to a degree, it taught me about my own privilege. We're all privileged. Of course. Depends on who you look at and depends on who you compare yourself to. I go to Nigeria and I see 20-year-old kids that are 5'5", 140 pounds because they were malnourished. Mm. And so I realized, and mind you, when we go back, we go to the village village. I mean, think... Think middle of nowhere, sand roads. My doubt just hot, the hottest. My dad just built a house there. 
Um, like you don't got Wi-Fi. I mean, like you just see uh, chickens and cows and goats and you got to kill them and eat them. Like is we're in the village with 40 doctors and nurses, no Americans, no microwave. Well, in our house, we have that. Yeah. But as you drive past some of the huts and I really mean huts, like the, oh the stuff God. you see on, on, on TV, as you drive by some of the huts made of uh, a straw and made of clay and made of bamboo, they don't have none of that. But it, it shows you that you can live with the simpler things. Of course. And so when I think about going back to Nigeria, best thing that's ever happened to me, because it reminds me that like this, this stuff in America and all these first world luxuries, they're amazing, mm-hmm. um, but they don't sustain you. Sure. Nigerians are some of the happiest people in the world and they have some of the least, but it's because they've realized the secret to life is living, learning how to live with little. Yeah. Bro, like more money, more problems. That of that course. genuinely is true. Yeah. Um, um, and more money, more stress, I'll say. I won't necessarily say more money, more problems, right. but I'll say more money, more stress. And so do that every summer, and that's really shaped me. That's made me. And it grounds you, it seems like. All day, bro. All you. day. Gives like a good perspective. Yeah, like I come out here with the suits and all the other stuff, but you know me, people that know me, there's, of course. there's more to life and that's, than all And that. that's part of you being on TV. You're an entertainer. If yeah. you're a pro wrestler or football player, you're, you entertain Facts. people. So, um, Okay. Then you go to UT. Was UT your dream school growing up or not really? I wanted to go to Michigan. Really? I wanted to play in the big house. Yes, dude. I'm sitting in Mac Brown's office. Mac yeah. Brown, college football, Hall Great of Fame, head recruiter. coach, phenomenal recruiter. To me, the best head coach in Texas history. And I'm sitting in Mac Brown's office, and he, I'm sitting next to my dad, my mom, and my brother. And Mac sits across from me in the, in the leather chair with the longhorn steer behind him. And he looks me in the eyes. He says, Emmanuel, we uh, – Want to offer you a scholarship, University of Texas? And I look at him, and it's crickets. I just don't say anything because I didn't want to go to Texas. Like my brother had <laughs> Did gone. Did your family to, know? Uh no. My my yeah, family wanted there, me to go. Right? My brother had gone. He's at Texas. My brother's one year older. So yeah. He's a freshman at Texas at the time. My parents were so they in didn't Dallas. Like, they didn't think it was a slam dunk. Everybody thought it was a slam dunk. But my problem is my senior year, my junior year in high school, playing basketball with my brother, we played a crosstown rival, and anytime I got the ball dribbling on the floor, do. Doom, doom. All you hear in the stands, shadow, shadow, shadow. And every time I got the ball, they would chant that as if I were living in my brother's shadow. Uh, so I was like, nah, I can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so I that affected like, your college. No, that, uh, complete. So I wanted to go to Michigan and play in the big house. A young, 18-year-old. Okay. So get this. We're back in Mac Brown's office, and he looks at me. I'm going to offer you a scholarship to the University of Texas. And I say nothing. He says, after about 20 seconds, he says, well, clearly you're not ready to commit. Take some time, think about it. Man, the drive back from Austin to Dallas was the longest drive with my dad of all time. Was he pissed? You can only be so mad because, like, you can't force me to go, but it was just silence. Did you trip anywhere else? Where did I go? I think I went to, like, Oklahoma State. They had dope jerseys. Um, I wanted to go to Auburn because of the jerseys. Did you? Oh, my God. I mean, Texas is lit. It's, um, it was it was great. Such cool jerseys. They have the pretty girls. They have around. The, they have the history. <laughs> like, like they did. They have like, the Texas Angels. I was like, whoa, uh, whoa, <laughs> I'm coming here. <laughs> but um, no, that was the story of going to Texas. I didn't always want to, but after my brother did, and I wised up, I said, you know what? I'll make this move. Mac Brown uh, said, you know, we have a baby colt that's about to be born. <laughs> you come here. We'll name it Sanchez. <laughs> now it's like. Did you take any visits anywhere I like, else? Yeah, I went to Texas, Ohio State, Notre Dame, UCLA. But you're from here, born and raised. Yeah, but I'm from here. So you were always going to go to SC. It was kind of like they were the one and yeah. somebody had to knock them off. Got you. Know? you. But, Got you. I mean, I told my dad, dead serious, like, I'm going to Texas. And he goes, why? They have the coolest jerseys, and I'm going to get a horse named Sanchez. 
It's like now, Mac Brown said it, and he goes, well, what are you going to do with the horse? Ride it to class? And I now, was like, I didn't really think about that. Maybe. I don't know how to ride a horse, now, but Vince I'll figure Young it out. Now, Vince Young is older than you, right? Yeah, it was the year that Colt came in. So my dad's like, hold on. You're going to go there in the same class as another quarterback named Colt McCoy. <laughs> Built for Texas. Yes. He's Colt like, is just. And you're some Mexican kid from Southern California. He goes, you're crazy. You ain't going there. I was like, all right. Well, probably. it worked out for both of you. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And we became teammates. You talked a little bit about your, um, your football career and your transition, but you went Cleveland, Philly, Giants, back to Philly. Yeah. Um, and then you do Longhorn Network. Obviously, your connection to UT started that, but did you know TV was going to be it, or did you? Dude, was it like a shot in the dark? Like, hey, hey, I'll try this, and then it's easier to get a job while you have a job. Kind of yeah, like no they doubt. say, um, it's easier to get a girl while you have a girl. I don't know why. That's just that's where I just I don't know. Not from personal experience. I don't experience. know what he means by that. That's I love just, you, babe. That's just what they say. So when I go back to Philly, like I told you, with my broken thumb, I'm like, man, in the NFL, after four years, you vested pension annuity, you got yeah, the benefits. You're good. So I hit the four-year mark, and I was thinking, I need to leave the game before the game leaves me. Sure, sure. So I'm texting the producer at Longhorn Network in, during the season, like, hey, I'd love to do some stuff in the offseason. Uh, let me call the spring game. Let me do work pro day. I go. So you're reaching out. You're reaching proactive. Out. Proactive. Nice. You have to be. So I, I hit her up. And as soon as the season ends, I do pro day. I do the spring game. She finally offers me, uh, she offers me a full-time job. But here's the problem. I was like, am I ready to be done? We all have that. Scary. We all have the edge. It's, it's scary. scary. It's the yeah. scariest. Um, there's a sca salary difference. There's yeah. a lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Everything's different. And so I said I would only play for three teams. The Bears, because my brother was mm -hmm. there. The Dallas Cowboys, because I'm born in Dallas. Sure. Or I'd go back to the Eagles. Those are the only three places I would play. I get a call, Sanchez. I get a call August 3rd. Hey, Emmanuel, we want to come. Uh, we want to bring you out to Oxnard to work out for the Cowboys. I was like, crap. Stop. I was like, man, I wasn't excited. I was, what? I was sick because I didn't really want to play. Yeah, okay. I would have, but I, I didn't want it. to. I get so it. I, I go out to Oxnard and I see this former cowboy legend and he's hobbling, he's hobbling, he's hobbling. And everybody's like, what's up, stud? What's up, stud? I'm not going to say his name. And everybody, what's up, stud? What's up, stud? 55-year-old dude. And I was like, I don't want that for me. Sure. sure. Like, I don't want to be esteemed as a legend, but like, I can't live like a happy, healthy sure. life. So the next week, uh, it, Friday night, 11.50 p.m., I get a text from the Buffalo Bills. Still have this text saved in my phone. True story. I genuinely still have the text. Um, August of 2016, I get a text from the Bills. Emmanuel Lacho, this is so-and-so from the Buffalo Bills. Um, what's, your driver's license and, what's your driver's license and name on your uh, ID? We want to bring you out for a flight. Yeah. I don't respond. I call my agent. I say, man, I don't think I want to do it. I get a text again from the Buffalo Bills. Hey, man, just checking to make sure you got this. I don't respond. Now it's done. Because it's, really? yes, it's easier. It now for me, it's a psychological thing, Sanchez. Yeah. I walked away from the game. Yeah, I the get game it. didn't walk away from me. I get it. And so I never had the itch to go back because yeah. I will forever leave knowing they wanted me, at least in my mind. <laughs> and it might have been the Bills. That's fair. But in my mind, that's they fair. wanted me and I left them unread. That's that's your reality. I like it. So let's talk about your series, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, which has been so well received and for good reason. They're, they are very uncomfortable questions. And watching the series, I was like, oh, my God, what are they going to say? Like, <laughs> I promise. I was like, oh, no way. Or bringing in, you know, uh, mixed kids. That yeah, one hit home. Yeah. And we'll yeah. talk about that because you met my son, DJ, um, for Fourth of July. But um, where did it start? Obviously, it's in the wake of George Floyd and all that. But how 
how did you come up with this? Was this in your back pocket and you knew about it or you just needed the platform? Explain how this Man, um, after the tragic murder of George Floyd, mm -hmm. black people across the nation were distraught. Yep. We just were, we didn't know how to feel. Um, and I hate generally speaking for a large group of people, but I'm a generally speak because every black person that I know, met, talked to, we're all in the same boat. Sure. Like we just were walking around this earth like uh, zombies, like just seemingly like dead to our own emotions. Sure. And, um, you know, we kind of have this phrase, at least I, I know this phrase growing up in black church, I'm sick and tired of being sick and sick tired. And, tired, sick and, tired yeah. and so I said, I got to do something, man. I felt guilty because I'm a sports analyst. So as a sports analyst, don't nobody want to hear me talk about real life. Talk to me about these sports, bro. Talk to me about these cowboys, yeah, Dak exactly. Prescott. Exactly. But I'm a black man first. And before that, I'm a human being. Sure. And so I said, I have to say something. It was going to be called Questions White People Have. It was not going to be called Uncomfortable Conversations Ooh. with a White Black. Have man. you told anybody that? No, not really. Not really. Breaking um, news here it was, uh, on Fourth and Forever. It was going to be called Questions White People Have. And I reached okay. out to my dog, Marcus Spears, ESPN okay. analyst. Yeah. He's awesome. Um, great guy. Great guy. I reached out to my girl, Rachel Lindsay, the first black bachelorette. And reached out to a couple white friends. And I said, hey, let's, let's sit at a round table. And my white friends, y'all ask the t questions. And we as the black people answer. Problem is, it's in the middle of corona. It's the middle of COVID. Oh, yeah, Nobody yeah, can yeah. travel. Okay. So Rachel Lindsay's like, hey, dude, it'll get me an, an, a week, take me a week to, to get to Dallas. I live in Austin, so I'd have to travel to Dallas where Spears is, uh, Marcus Spears is. And so finally I said, man, I can't wait. I'll do it myself. And so a dear white friend of mine drove in from Dallas to Austin. And on the way in, she's like, hey, these questions aren't just necessarily from white people. I think it's just more um, uncomfortable. Like, how do you feel about calling it uncomfortable conversations? Yeah. I, call, I thought about it. I said, ah. Just from non-blacks. Even yeah. as a Mexican guy, yes. I don't. And so I thought about it. I was like, ah, it doesn't have the same stick to it. I said, I'm a black man. So I'll call it uncomfortable conversations with a black man. Mm. So she comes to Austin, Texas from Dallas. We rehearsed the whole day, rehearsed the whole day. Remember, it's uncomfortable conversations with a black man, not uncomfortable monologue with a black man. But <laughs> the first episode was a monologue. Oh, so right. after a day of rehearsing, we're an hour and six minutes before our studio time the next day on Sunday. And she had a change of heart, man. Just had a change of heart and like didn't feel right about doing it after we were rehearsed. So I said, you know she what? She was going to be in the show? She was going to be in it. She was going to ask me the questions I was going to answer. Uncomfortable conversations. It was always supposed to be a conversation. And she bailed. Change of heart. And so that's why I did it myself. I never wanted to do it myself. I, even after she, she changed. Dude, it looks like it was totally Bro, planned that way that with was, the no. perfectly plain background and so, boom. Now that I knew. I wanted to have the plain all no, white background. No, but I mean, background. but just you by yourself. Uh, it was never supposed to be me by myself. Wow. Um, so now I go I into the, I go into the studio and I look at the cameras as I'm addressing this one and I put my head down and I say three, two, and on one I look up and look dead into the heart of the camera, and nine minutes twenty seven seconds later uh, we were done. No, no, no teleprompter. Dude, there was no cold in the can. Are you kidding me? Um, it was awesome. And it was cool, man. Like within three days, twenty eight million views. Um, and then, and then. Um, the cool thing, bro, is I haven't really reached out to people. So I get a call a week later, no caller ID number. And I'm sure you know. You get a call from a no caller ID number, it's either yeah. really good or really bad. <laughs> uh, one, you know, there is no in between. So, true. so I pick up and all I hear is, Acho, McConaughey speaking. I'm like, uh, what's up, man? He's like, I want to have a conversation. I was like, okay, well, I'm taping in three days. I'm taping episode two. Like, I'd love to have you then. He's like, how's tomorrow? Tomorrow works. tomorrow works. Tomorrow works. We can do tomorrow. Um, so we tape episode two literally the next day. Um, and then after that episode drops, Chip and Joanna Gaines, they had posted my first one. Oh, wow. Um, and but so you didn't know them before this. I had no idea, dude. I didn't, I didn't really know Did you know, know who they were? Before. 
uh, yes, because I had seen them on College Game Day. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, okay. I never actually watched their show. Baylor, never, right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Baylor people. And mind you, it's coronavirus, yeah. so you can't really travel. They're in, ba- they're in Waco, an hour and a half from Austin. Yeah. So I shoot up to Waco. We set it up. We shoot episode three. It was uh, awesome with their kids. Dude, too. it was so here's let me let me praise them really quickly. Chip Gaines was like, Yes, I, I'll do it, but I have one request. I said, Talk to me, anything. He said, I want my kids involved. Oh, yeah, that's right. He said that so on the show. Yeah, Chip yeah. brought the kids. I didn't even request them. He said it's mandatory that they be there. I said, Say less. Just my from brother. an aesthetic standpoint, it portrays that you are teaching yes. a younger generation. Yes. Like you're educating Correct. people that Correct. will have to make these Correct. decisions later on on whether to hate or to love Correct. someone. And, and it's about the future. It bro. was so powerful. It's about it is about the future. And we didn't even roll all the footage because it's a social media show, and so I have to keep things tight. But yeah, it was powerful. Then then come to L.A. episode four. Um, at this point in time, I've done a I've done a, a show with Gail King. Yeah, uh, Gail King, obviously Oprah's best friend. Yeah. And Gail calls me after the show, and she's like, Emmanuel, you were fabulous. You were fabulous. Thanks so much. She's like, uh, You want to know how I heard about your episode? I said, How? She said, Oprah showed it to me. I said, Huh? Oprah, like, Oprah, Oprah, Oprah Winfrey, like, Oprah, Oprah, Oprah. <laughs> um, and she's like, yeah, Oprah showed it to me. I said, wow. Um, well then, um, before you know it within like three or four days, I'm on FaceTime with Oprah. Um, I thought you would have been like, yeah, no, I sent it to her. I, text, <laughs> I texted her. Um, uh, <laughs> we're, we, we, we hopped on a call, man. And, uh, the rest is history, dude. So then she partnered and she yeah, helped me. Yeah. Cause that me. was my next question. Just where's, where are you going with the series in the future? Man. What's the, the vision for so it? I don't like getting overly spiritual, although I am a man of faith, a man that fears the Lord, but I'm going where God takes me with it. Yeah. The whole thing's been a God thing. Yeah. The first episode wasn't supposed to be by myself. It was supposed to be with the female. After the female changed of heart, I called another one of my best friends, a white female, uh, her, one-year-old daughter was sick, so she couldn't she, do it. So then do it. I had to do it by myself. Yeah. After that, McConaughey calls me. After that, Chip and Joanna Gaines reach out. After that, I'm supposed to be in Fox for another show, but then I get relocated to L.A. for another show hmm. um, because of a, a schedule change. So now I'm in L.A. Um, I do episode four by myself. Episode five, uh, Lindsey Vaughn and PK. Had, yeah, yeah. Had, um, the um, Lindsey Vaughn, couples. Yeah. Rachel couples. Lindsey Vaughn, Olympic, ski, Olympic gold medalist skier. PK, Olympic medalist as well. Um, star defenseman in the NHL. Um, so now I do that. Did he play episode. for Philly? No. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, but I, I don't don't quote me on that. And so everything's come to me organically. So where am I going with it? But you um, got the book. Have the book. Have okay. the book. Uh, Uncomfortable conversations with a black man. The book uh, coming out November tenth. Mm. Uh, uh, you can pre-order it on uncomfortableconvos.com. Yeah. Uncomfortableconvos.com. Um, and it's not going to be a transcription of the show. So okay. many people are like, Acho, is it just going to be the shows? I was just going to ask. No, that. not at all. Completely different. Completely different. I'm, I'm going to get in depth. I'm going to ch- talk bigger picture. Mm-hmm. The spoken word, Sanchez, and I heard a pastor say this. The spoken word, it has substance. It has sizzle. But the written word, it travels throughout the test of time. Hmm. Whether you want to look at old uh, bib- old uh, religious texts, biblical texts, speeches, Gettysburg addresses, I have a dream speech, et cetera, yeah. the written word stands the test of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to turn it into a book. But honestly, dude, the, the, the response has been great. Like, and the stars have supported. Like Jennifer Aniston, she has shared it, and she, we, we, we exchanged some messages. Reese Witherspoon, she supported nice. Um, ben Stiller, Keep they hear like, Keep but it's not, and, and I don't say that. No, this is, for, I say that to say like people who have no reason to necessarily care. Right. Like no, people no who really don't their have, lives a, are fine. their lives are fine. Jennifer Aniston, by life is fine. Series, yeah. Their life is fine. But the fact that they hit me up just to say like, Hey, I support you. 
like Jennifer Aniston following me. I didn't even realize it. My friend told me, hey, you know she's following you? I was like, what the hell? Checked her Instagram. I was like, oh, snap. So you Follow creeped back. on her Instagram. Um, say it. You creeped on Jennifer. First off, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but nah, bro. Like I say that to say the fact that people who were sitting on high have, have looked and said, you know what? I love what you're doing. Yeah. You're helping change this world they and change our it. world. Yeah. Uh, it's been great, man. That's awesome. Yeah, the one issue that that I saw in that was now that I'm raising this multiracial son who he looks black. Yeah. Like you've seen yeah. him. He's got tight curls. Like he looks black. When people talk about, well, let's start with I was raised, I'm, I'm assuming similar to you with um, uh, the father as the authority figure. Mm-hmm. It was yes, sir, no, sir. Um, you just do what you're told and there's no you know questioning authority. I was never scared of being pulled over by the cops and thinking I was in a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. It was, did I, do I have my license on me? Did I run a stop sign or a red light? You know, what did I do wrong? Uh, yes, sir, Mr. Officer, and go along with your yeah. life. Um, my son, who looks a lot different than I do, what do I, do I need to have that conversation with him? I mean, I've talked to Malcolm Jenkins about this. Yeah. What is that conversation like if you've had it? What are you supposed to say? And like, what did they say? What did your parents say to you and your brother? I, I, I don't even know. What, this is like our version of your show. Sorry for hijacking the idea uh, for 10 minutes here. But what does that look like? Yeah, I think that everyone needs to have these conversations with their children because knowledge is power. When I say these conversations in America, we, we teach our kids about finances. We mm-hmm. teach our kids about religion. We teach our kids about sex. But for whatever reason, we don't teach our kids about race. We just kind of act as if race doesn't exist or as if like we don't see color which is ignorant because then you can't see the beauty of all colors so i do think conversations need to be had and obviously as you've talked about like having one with 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 your son and just letting him know hey look based on the color of your skin you will be treated very differently sure um my parents they never had the conversation with me because i'm first generation american so my parents came here and didn't realize like the history so to speak of america oh wow that's you feel me my parents coming from nigeria and nigeria Everybody black. <laughs> so like you don't really have to talk about how you may be treated by white yeah. people because there are no white people. Yeah. And even the reason uh, Sanchez, I've started uncomfortable conversations and I'm, I don't think I've said this publicly, but when you, you speak two languages, right? You're bilingual. Sure. Um, and, and, and your parents, they taught you how to speak the language. A uh, little bit. I learned a little, a lot of it on my own. But yeah. How'd you learn it on your own? Uh, through these tapes called uh, Michelle Thomas Method. Great. So I took eight years of Spanish, right? Can't really speak a lick. Um, but, but, but what I do know about those that take foreign languages is they have to study abroad to get uh, yeah. fluent. Yeah, they that typically was the have to study thing, abroad. Immersion. Yeah. Exactly. You have to be immersed in it. Yeah. And what I realized, Sanchez, as a Nigerian-American, I studied abroad amongst white people because uh-huh. I went to a private school from fifth grade to 12th grade that was all affluent white, primarily. Hmm. And then I went to college at Texas and played in the league. So I studied abroad amongst black culture. Yeah. And so I became perfectly fluent in white culture and black culture. So to bring this whole thing full circle, it's I realized there's a major gaping disconnect between black people and white people. And it's a lot has to do with speech and understanding, Mm -hmm. not literal speech, but things that are translated into how you're interpreting an action. And so me being fluent in both, I said, you know what? I can talk to these people and talk to these people and relay a message. So then you're talking about your experiences in a white culture in a black, predominantly black or minority locker room. Mm -hmm. 
So my dad grows up, I'm full Mexican. My dad grows up in, um, in just, you know, uh, four or five blocks from, from USC. So like South Central, right? My mom, East LA, like super Mexican, where she grew up in a Mexican um, upbringing. My dad grew up, went to manual arts high school. I grew up in South Orange County, predominantly white. And he made it a point for when we played travel ball to make sure we played in LA, mm -hmm. in Long Beach, in mm -hmm. inner city settings to compete against other people who look different than you. Mm -hmm. That was like so important to him. Um, why is the locker room because of sports? How does sports bridge that gap? Because I feel like there's all these issues on the outside, yeah. but as soon as you get in the locker room, it's like, we're cool. So sports, I can't stand when sports draw military parallels. We're going to war. <laughs> we got to go kill these guys. <laughs> this is, you're in the bunker with this. No, okay, you're not. We're not going to war. <laughs> um, but what is synonymous between both sports and wars, you're fighting an opponent. Sure. And you were on a similar team aiming for a common goal. Right. And the difference between sports and life, in sports, we're all on the same team. Right. within our locker room. Right. And so we look beyond our racial differences or our other differences because it is us versus them. Sure. In life, the us is white people mm. and the us is black people and the right. us are Asian people and the us are everybody, you know, all the all types yeah. of people. So it is still us versus them, but, but yeah. your team you don't blend the us. is different. Yeah. And <laughs> so different. The, the reason that sports are different is because it's not, we're all on the same team. We all wear the same jersey. Yeah. Sure, the name on the back is different, but we all wear the same jersey. And you're working towards something. As soon as you get into real life, your jersey is your skin color. Mm. And so me and black people, we still wear the same jersey. And yeah. white people, they still wear the same jersey, but it's not Eagles green no more. It's not midnight green. Now it's your skin color. Dang. And so we have to find a way as a society, as a nation, to, to, to put remove on the same those jersey. jerseys. Yeah, and put, put on, on the, the same, same jersey. jersey. Get on the same team. Dang. Then what about... I think that's the way we make that a norm in the society. I think you said it perfectly. Um, Charles Barkley, when he was talking about everything's turning into a circus now with, you know, names on the back of jerseys. Mm -hmm. And do you agree with that statement or not necessarily? Like, where do you stand Man, on some of that stuff? Um, I, I, you can agree with that statement to a degree. You, sure. you, it would take so much time to elaborate. But quickly, I'll say, when you do stuff just to check boxes, yeah. then yeah. it becomes very circus-like. Right. When you're doing stuff just to do stuff, it can become very like, come on, bro. Because yeah. I think about it if like this. If you're doing this. it for the Instagram picture, if you're doing Let, it let's, for the... Let's go. You, you brought up Instagram, right. so let's go there. Let's go a month back. We have Blackout Tuesday. Oh, right, right, to, right to shine awareness but you have you know instagram models so to speak posting a bikini pictures then they black picture then they bikini pictures you feel me like you got me posting my little picture and then my black picture and then my little picture again so like what did that really right. do right like what it's not just about checking a box to say you did something right. but making practical change and right. i think these the leagues uh, nba mlb nhl whatever the case may be we have to be very cognizant of just doing stuff to do it and look like we're sure. doing it as opposed to actually trying to make change. So when Chuck is talking, I think about um, 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 turning into a circus is all the actions with no substance. Sure. We need more follow through. Yeah. I like that. I, the, the, the perfect example to me is somebody like Malcolm Jenkins yeah. where he's not the guy who takes a knee just to Absolutely take a not. knee and take a picture and boom, like he's meeting with local legislature. He's, informing people of when to vote, how yeah. to vote, how to register. 
He's, you know, he has a strong stance and he's informing people. He's yeah. educated himself. Because, bro, now, you, we can't we can't just do it for the gram, bro. Yeah, One okay. of the things that, that made me feel so interesting was during all the marches, I'm like, I'm seeing so many selfies about being at these marches, <laughs> yeah. but I'm, it, it just made me feel a little different. Yeah. Because like when I was I going back and I was researching the marches in the 1960s and, and et cetera, and obviously there weren't the camera phones out there, yeah. but like, I'm okay when I'm here taking selfies. You feel me? Like he wasn't out here like, okay, I got my... There was a cause. There was, was a cause. Towards he was working it, towards it. it. And yeah. so I just, I want to make sure our society is as passionate about the action and the change as they are looking like they're doing something. Yeah. Damn. Because that's, 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 what, that's what we got to do. That's true. Circling back to another one, uh, I talked with Coach Lynn about this. Do you think Cap gets signed this year? No. Really? He said he'd work him out. Cap won't get signed, but it's not that I don't want to get Cap. I don't want Cap to get signed. It's not that I don't think Cap is talented enough to play in the NFL because there are several quarterbacks and several backup quarterbacks um, that I think Cap is still more talented than. But you, everybody, we have to look at things without bias, right? right? And I'm a black man who would bring me no greater joy. Would bring me no greater joy than to see Cap get signed, if nothing else, but for my bias. Sure. Um, but what I realize is, if you're a general manager, Sanchez, and you sign Cap. And then you have to go cut him, whether Ooh. it's performance-based or backlash-based. Now you become the villain. Right now, you just the 40, put yourself in a tough spot for no reason. Right now, 49ers, the 49ers yeah. are the villain. Right now, the 49ers they they have to bear that burden. The last team Cap ever played for was the Niners. All the Cap jerseys, they're Niners. Oh. The, like the 49ers are the villain. But now, if you're an organization, if you sign Cap just to have to go cut him, even if it's even if it's talent-based, performance-based. Yeah. Yeah. Now you become the villain. So you have to look selfishly as a man, GM of a team or an owner of a yeah, team or a coach of a team. Your, yeah. Is it worth oh. it? Because best-case scenario, best scenario for Cap is he comes in, he takes over as a starter, and he balls out. And but then he for, gets a contract. But for that to happen, the starter has to get hurt. Right. And so what general manager is like, okay, well, let's, you know, hopefully our starter gets hurt so Cap can come in here and – it's just not realistic, and, I, and I'm just too realistic. So while I want Cap to be in the league, it just doesn't make a lot of logical sense based on what owners and managers have already showed us. Yeah, that's an interesting take, and I, you might be right. Dang. It's facts, man. Um, okay, so then how big of a role can athletes play and should athletes play in bridging this racial divide? Two very different questions okay. you just asked me. Yep. Two very different questions. Uh, I'm not going to say what an athlete should or should not do. Fair. I think it was Charles Barkley who said, actually, that athletes, it's not their responsibility to be role models. Right. It's not. It's not. Athletes are athletes. I would hope that an athlete is a role would model. Want to, I would yeah, want them to course. be. And I fervently believe that uh, to whom much is given, much is required. Sure. But they, uh, it's not their responsibility. How much of a difference can they make? Mm -hmm. All of it. All of it. I mean, look at what Cap did. For better or worse, he got the whole world talking. Yeah. Do you I, think he knew back then? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's no that, way. That, because it seemed it seemed like, and I remember having this conversation, and I was in Chicago, and mm -hmm. guys in the locker room were like, "Are we going to kneel? Or are we not going to kneel?" Yeah. Well, yeah, what does kneeling mean? The, the reason and then I can... people had different responses. Well, some people kneel because they don't like the president. Mm -hmm. Some people kneel because of police brutality. It wasn't like a uniform thing. But right. then if you don't kneel, it's like, well, then you're down with systemic racism. Correct. You, but you know, you don't like you, black people. So that's then... the that's the problem that's going to happen this year. 
now it's now it's if you don't, if you don't kneel, kneel then you get canceled exactly oh my God. but to your point bro um the reason i could wholeheartedly say he didn't know is for a couple reasons number one that'd be like saying hey did you know that your your videos were gonna blow up and next you'd write a book you no. knew that i texted <laughs> him the night before and told him <laughs> um but you just don't know but two if cap knew he wouldn't have made some of the pivotal errors that he did like the pig socks Right, like wearing the oh, pig socks to practice oh. that day made so many people jump yeah. off the bandwagon. Yeah, Be and not that Cap. Eh, it, I didn't even because think it gave people an excuse not to listen. Sure. And if you ever give people an excuse not to listen that don't want to listen, they will write you off. Of course. Like the pig socks was the the one thing that if Cap really knew, because that was early on. Yeah. If he knew, he wouldn't have done that. Right. Because now you're giving people an out. And giving people ammo. Uh, yeah. Giving them ammo. And, bro, a lot of people are just waiting for the out. They're just like, please give me a People right now watching my uncomfortable like, conversations, <laughs> give me a reason to stop listening to you, Wacho. Just say one yeah. wrong stat or one wrong yeah. fact, and what, I am out. To that point, what have been – you have to have received criticism. You're not successful without criticism. So give me – you don't have to say who, but some of the most hurtful, rude, racist – somebody's – somebody sent you something bad. Honestly – a lot of the backlash for me has come from the black community. Really? Yeah. Like um, what? The black community want me to go harder, right? The black community is, you're taking it too easy on white people. You need to go harder at these white people. They're not our friends. A lot of the, the backlashes this come, come from the black community or undermining my assistance because my parents are Nigerian. And so I'm not the descendants of slaves and this, that, and the third. And I don't know, like at the end of the day, I'm I'm fighting, figuratively speaking, for those same people because yeah. my black brothers and sisters are hurt. A lot of, of us are hurt. And so anger doesn't know how to express itself. Sure. And so I'm not really mad when I get the backlash. I just know that I'm out here fighting a good fight. And by the grace of God, it's working. And you have pure um, intentions. You really are trying oh, to educate and bruh, help people. Between the book, Uncomfortable Conversations, and my show. Not for me. Like the, the, My yeah. show's for me. But right. uncomfortable conversations in the book, like, bro, I'm just trying to change the world. Like, the other, I'm not really, that's that's not for me, bro. You feel me? Like, that's, that's just cool. out here, like, that's my calling. That yeah. is my commission. My other stuff is my career. You yeah. got to go to your career to pay the bills. The course, calling and the commission, um, you just live that out. That's awesome. That was deep and yeah, heavy man. and awesome. The Republican senator of Georgia, did you see this, who co-owns the WNBA team, made a statement about basically Black Lives Matter the phrase mm -hmm. and Black Lives Matter, the organization, yeah. and said there is a distinct difference yeah. to somebody who doesn't know mm -hmm. or is uneducated. Is that true or untrue? Like, what is, what I, is it? Because um, I, think, I think you should do this on your show, and we could cut this out if you want to do it on your show, or you already filmed that. that. No, it's, it's funny you say that. So Because I, I don't shot, know. Um, I shot a message this morning. I exchanged messages with uh, one of the three co-founders of, of Black Lives Black Matter. Lives Matter. She's a Nigerian-American woman. And, really? Um, yeah. And uh, we exchanged messages this morning because I just, I extended a hand and said, look, I get three to eight million viewers a week, yeah. predominantly white people on my show. Um, I just want to give you a platform to clear up some things because there have been so many misconceptions. Right. Um, yesterday. People don't know what to think. They don't know what to think. Yesterday, I put on my Instagram, like, hey, I do this show for y'all, so what questions do y'all have? Yeah. And one of the first ones was, what's up with Black Lives Matter? Now, really? my, Yeah, for, for sure. One of the top three questions. My personal answer is this. There's a difference between Black Lives Matter, the noun, and Black Lives Matter, the adjective. Right? Okay. Black Lives Matter, the noun, the organization. 
Okay. Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Black Lives Matter, the adjective, let's just simply describe the fact that black lives do in fact sure. matter. Black Lives Matter, the adjective, we should all get behind. Of black course. lives do in fact matter. Black Lives Matter, the noun, the organization, everyone has to figure out for themselves, do they stand behind? But what I'll say is this, and these aren't my words, so don't get mad at me. It's funny how, and a, a white man told me, he said, it's funny how with this, with this specific cause, yeah. we will look at some things in the mission statement and just say, ah, I'm done with it all. They're looking for like, an excuse not to like it. I didn't say it. I'm not going to say no, it. No, I know. I'm not, I'm just, I'm just, it's I'm the just, same look, thing with Kaepernick. It's I'm, the same thing I am going to paint, with any movement. I am going to paint a picture and let the viewers interpret it how they may. Nike, just do it. Don't necessarily stand for everything Nike believes in their mission statement, but people still going to wear their Nikes. Chick-fil-A. You don't necessarily stand for their affiliations politically or whatnot or their mission statement, but you still going to get that chicken sandwich with that pickle now. Not on Sunday. You're still going to get not on Sunday, but that Chick-fil-A sauce still going to smack now. So it's funny that when you get to race, it's like, wait, I don't like that sentence, so I'm out. We don't do that in other things. We just don't. Hmm. Um, And again, Black Lives Matter, the adjective, everybody should be able to stand behind. The noun, decide for yourself. I'm still in that deciding for yourself. Uh, area, but to me, and this is how this all closes. Thought is, as long as everybody's fighting in the best way they know how. Yeah, you feel me? Like yeah. I am a speaker, so the way I know how to fight is through communication and comfortable conversations. Black Lives Matter, y'all do y'all thing. My homie, uh, hip hop artist Toby and Weegway, who's who came out with this like "Arrest the Killers" of Breonna Taylor song. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron and people posted it. He's doing his thing. Sure. We're all trying to fight how we know how. So that's how I look at it. Yeah. Like, even if you don't stand with Black Lives Matter, then create an organization you stand with to move the cause forward. Sure. But don't just sit there and say, I don't stand with them, so I'm not going to do nothing. Right, right. Okay, that's fair. All right, four down territory. Last thing, we'll break down the NFC East. We hit every team in the NFC East. <laughs> the only one I missed was the Giants, but you covered that for us. So what happens in the division? Yep. Giants, Eagles, Washington football team, <laughs> and the Cowboys. Uh, Dude, that's so, going to be so I have my to thoughts. Say. I think it's Eagles and, and um, Cowboys kind of running it. Yeah. And my reasoning would be Haskins and um, Daniel Jones desperately needed this offseason, and they don't get it. Um, to one, or well, first thing, they have new offenses, new head coaches. They needed to assert themselves as the leader for everybody to rally around those yeah. guys. And now this is their first year starting from week one. And they kind of missed that boat. So I feel like just just to, from a sheer experience standpoint, the Eagles and Cowboys wipe them off the map. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's obviously on paper should be the Eagles and Cowboys, yeah. right? As an analyst, I would be an idiot if I didn't say one of those two sure. teams, right? Like just remove the emotion. Daniel Jones. Dwayne Haskins, new coaches. The Giants head coach, I still got to see it to believe it. Sure. Although I respect special teams. That's where I made my mark in the NFL. Um, Ron Rivera, phenomenal coach. Yep. But got give, a lot give going the, on right A lot now. going on. A lot, <laughs> go, a lot of distractions. They don't yeah. even have a name. Okay. Like the Washington football team is not here to stay. Um, so now when you look at the Cowboys and you look at the Eagles, on paper, Cowboys probably have a better roster. You would think. Um, especially offensively. Goodness gracious. They got I mean, dude, I mean, between CD Lamb, stud receiver in college, uh, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, plus Dak, plus Zeke, plus that offensive line. On paper, the Cowboys should do it. Yeah. Um, obviously, you and I know the Eagles, I think, just have a better coach and a better culture. Um, I'm I'm not sure how good Mike McCarthy is. Oops, I said it. Wow. I, and I and I say Damn. that because we know Aaron Rodgers was amazing. Yeah. 
when Mike McCarthy left, Aaron Rodgers is still amazing. Still amazing yeah. The Packers were still bomb this year. Yeah. So was it Mike McCarthy or was it Rodgers? Was it both? Yeah. I don't know. But I don't know how good Mike McCarthy yeah. is as a coach. Bruh, what Doug Peterson did yeah. is amazing. And yeah. you and I know, because we were on the Eagles the year before Doug Peterson got there. Yeah. We yeah. were there. Yeah. Like Doug Peterson took. How he brought in some ballers too. Yes, but Doug Peterson took a roster that wasn't as talented as Chip's roster and won a Super Bowl with it. Because you two still, years later. Yes, two years later. But that's yeah. not a super long time. Like that's not a long time. Year sure. gap and a year. Really, I'm gonna say a year later, because it was 2016 was the six and ten season, I believe, or seven and nine, Doug's first year, and yeah. then the next year won the Super Did Bowl. Did they go seven and nine? Yeah, six and ten or seven and nine, one of the two. Yeah. Um, and then next year won the Super Bowl. And they were Foles still run the, the right Super. Time. Foles was still the quarterback when they won. Yeah. You still had your mainstays of Brandon Graham was still there. Fletcher Vinnie Cox Curry. was still there. Vinnie Curry was back. Zach Ertz was still there. You didn't have uh, LaShawn or Macklin or DJ. Like, Doug Peterson, what he did as a coach, yeah. unheralded. And this isn't even biased. This is just yeah. – these are just straight facts. So, yeah. it's going to be Cowboys. It's going to be Eagles. Cowboys have the better team. Eagles have the better coach. You know how that Super goes, bro. Okay. You know how that goes. Then uh, do you think we have a full NFL season in 2020? Absolutely. You do? Yeah, it's NFL, happening. No preseason, but they'll figure it out. Yeah, you, you're not stopping that. And bro, the NFL owns one day of the week. <laughs> the, the NFL owns Sunday. What you we feeling, we, feeling, we better change the calendar. Oh I don't know what the Mayan calendar looked like, but we might have, <laughs> we might have to go back to that joint if go during ahead. the NFL season. Um, yeah. And then last thing, which was awesome. Can we, can we show the video of him and the boy? <laughs> This was on 4th of July, everybody, and uh, Ach was at the house playing piano with my son, and they are just having a ball. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Look at DJ trying to teach him. <laughs> Yo, DJ got rhythm. That's like an intro for like a, like a pop. Pop song. It is. I was like, intro like a pop. Can we do, uh, can we do uh, I Have the Tiger for you? I laughed. Nailed it. <laughs> Yo, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. I love it. You got a little it. baritone for us? Uh, dude, I have barely. If I had a piano, I'd let oh it drown me my. out. All right, we'll let you off easy here. <laughs> Give your social handles. Adam. Emmanuel Acho. It's very simple. Okay. Emmanuel, Emmanuel Acho. Acho. Our IG is Fourth and Forever. YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Fourth and Forever. Thank you so much, bro. Really appreciate this. My this dog. Awesome. Subscribe, follow, like, comment, Instagram, YouTube.